The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It's Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday is when we're recording this podcast. Today's guest, Noah Eagle, the radio voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, going to join us. Second time he's been on the podcast. If you haven't listened to the first time we had him on, it was a great conversation. Talked to him about getting the job, his meeting with Steve Ballmer, which was actually very interesting. Talked about who reached out when he got the Clippers job. So it should be a lot more of getting to know Noah, plus his thoughts on this team. It'll be a fun conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, I know I will, because he is just a guy that knows a lot and is very thorough in his answers and just is a very knowledgeable guy. You can follow me on Twitter, at BDMarcus. You can follow the podcast, at HoopBallClips. This is a reminder that this podcast, like all our shows, brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out the website at hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter at Hi Kona Coffee. The Los Angeles Clippers have a record of 26-12. and 12. This is the first podcast since the one we recorded on Sunday where we recapped that weekend that saw one win, one loss against Memphis and New York. Since then, no games. The Clippers are off still until Friday, They'll take on Golden State at home, which I mentioned in the podcast on Sunday. That's a game that I would expect the Clippers to win big. I would hope that they win big. After having this amount of time off, no excuse to be rusty. I'm tired of hearing the excuses, whether it's a 12:30 start, it's too early, maybe this one, be too much time off. No excuses. You have a game against Golden State. You're better than Golden State. Very possible that D'Angelo Russell does not play. Not sure if Draymond Green will play. Frankly, just no excuses. Go out there and beat Golden State. And then we'll have a podcast on Sunday after the game against Denver. So it's Golden State Friday and then at Denver on Sunday. Chris Merch will join us his second time being on the podcast. Looking forward to that as well. Before we get into the conversation with Noah Eagle, I got to tell you about mybookie.ag. Man, these NBA games are great, right? The NFL games going on in the playoffs. Those are great, right? You know what makes it even more fun? How about you put a few dollars on them? Place your next bet at mybookie.ag, our online betting partner here at HoopBall. Go sign up for a new account. Use the promo code CLIPPERS. That's the word CLIPPERS, and mybookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. You heard that correctly. mybookie.ag, the promo code is the word CLIPPERS. You can bet on numerous different things, and also there are some card games on there too. Blackjack, if you want to get into that, you can play some blackjack. And of course, like I mentioned, NBA is always fun to bet on. The, Cl- the Clippers, a team that maybe you want to bet on on Friday. You think, hey, you agree with me. They're going to come out and they're going to destroy Golden State. Maybe you throw a few shekels on Golden State to beat the Warriors. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation with the radio voice of Los Angeles Clippers, Noah Eagle. You've heard him before. You'll hear him again. And you hear him all the time on AM 570. He is the radio voice of Los Angeles Clippers, Noah Eagle, back on the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Noah, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Man, what a weird weekend uh, for the Clippers. You go up against Memphis and New York. You split the two games, two games that you thought maybe the Clippers would be able to handle handedly. 
and then all of a sudden uh, you lose to Memphis and give up a bunch of points there, and then the Knicks keep it close. Strange weekend. What was it like on your end? Well, you know, it's funny. I think that over the course of a season we get uh, misconstrued a little bit about teams in general. First of all, uh, there are no really easy games anymore in the NBA. I'd say that the talent across the league is so great that it, let's just think about it. The worst team right now by record is Atlanta, and they have one of the most electrifying point guards in the entire league in Trey Young. So at any moment, you could absolutely drop a game to Atlanta. And you look up right now, Memphis is half a game out of the eight spot in the West. I think that we we forget that a lot of these teams are probably better than their record actually shows. Memphis, to me, is is a really underrated team, and it's hard to stop John Morant. And they've got two really good, skilled big men. And, and against a team like the Clippers, who are really more so loaded in, in the backcourt and, and anywhere from the one through the four, but they play a decently small lineup for the bulk of the minutes, it can be a challenge to go up against a tandem of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas. So I think that's the that's the thing we have to remember. And the other thing is, this Clippers team has played among the most back-to-backs in the entire league. Both those games started at 12:30, and that knocks you out of your routine. And Doc Rivers was talking about it before the first game against Memphis. It's just different. It's hard because you don't really eat lunch at your normal time. You don't wake up at your normal time, so your sleep schedule's all messed up. And so the first game, I think Clippers were getting used to that different routine and playing without Patrick Beverly and Paul George. So you're missing two of your best defenders. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you give up a ton of points. Give up a ton of points in the second game without Kawhi Leonard as well. The difference to me in that one was the Clippers woke up in that second quarter and the offense start to figure it out. And then they got stops when they needed to. Uh, moving forward through that game. But I think the big thing in that one was the Knicks were fresh. They had a day in between games. Clippers were on a back-to-back. And, again, your sleep schedule, your eating schedule, everything is thrown out of whack. So I didn't really pay too much attention to those two games. I looked at those on the schedule and said, yeah, those are going to be different. They're going to be difficult. And they were exactly that. I think the best part about it was now four days off until the next one against Golden State, and that is invaluable time to to kind of right the ship and get back on track. Yeah, I was just saying in the open uh, that there's been excuses for different losses that occur, whether it's no Kawhi, no PG, no Pat Beverly, and those are valuable. I mean, I mean, those are viable part of me, like excuses. I don't really think that the Clippers should be losing to a team like the Knicks or the Grizzlies, even without Kawhi or PG in the lineup, but the one excuse I don't want to hear going into Friday's game is they're rusty. They had too much time off. I mean, this is that you've been asking for time off. You've been asking time to get healthy. You've been asking time to have practice. You just came back from practice today. You're getting all of those things that you wanted. There's no reason to go into that game against Golden State and not beat them by at least 15 to 20. I mean, you have to have a big game against a team like Golden State. And frankly, I don't think there should be any excuses for that game, even though I know that if they do have it keep, if it's kept close, the reason that it will be close is because they had too much time off. Does that make sense at all? I Listen, I, I agree. I don't think that, I, I don't look at these as necessarily excuses more so as, as facts. I don't think that what you're saying, having too much time off is, is a, a correct way to uh, frame a game. I think that 
going into that one, they'll they'll feel fresher. They'll have had some more practice time. Got two days off before getting back to practice, and now have some time to really to really just fine tune some things that I think have been glaring issues in the last couple games. Transition defense and uh, getting out to open shooters on the perimeter. I mean, Memphis hit a ton of threes, and the Clippers came back the next day and hit a ton of threes themselves. I think not playing at 12:30 will automatically help, and hopefully the entire team should be back. We keep forgetting, like, this team has only been fully together for one game. That was on Christmas. And it's funny because I know a lot of a lot of Clippers fans might not have been thrilled with the way that the team has looked, even really ever since that Chicago game and playing uh, at, at times great basketball, at times some something to at least be left to, to desired, I would say. And I just think that this is a team that has proven when healthy that to me, they're the best team in the NBA. I look at the top four teams in each conference and the Clippers have played 16 different starting lineups. The other teams that are in the top four in both the East and the West, the the second most is 10 and it's Boston. Most of them, the Lakers have five, the heat have five, the nuggets have six, the Toronto Raptors who have dealt with injuries have still played only seven different starting lineups this year. Milwaukee has played nine, but Giannis has only missed three games this season. And then I also look at the strength of schedule. The Clippers are ranked as fifth in the NBA, having the fifth hardest schedule. There are only four ahead of them. New Orleans, who is one of the worst records in the league. The Hawks, who have one of the worst records in the league. Toronto is third, and they've been very good this year, and they've weathered their injury storm as well. But their record is slightly worse than it was last year with Kawhi Leonard, and I'm, I've compared the two as well. The Clippers right now are right on track of where Toronto was a year ago. I think they're maybe a game worse than Toronto was a year ago. And so you're telling me that you wouldn't take the season that the Raptors had last year? They figured out how to deal with the, the different injuries they had, how to deal with the injury that Kawhi Leonard was nursing through the year. Like, this is not panic mode. This is a, The Clippers are still on pace to potentially win the most games in franchise history. Right now, a 56-win pace. The record is 57 in Doc Rivers' first year. Like, this is a team to me that is right where they want to be, and they have the rest of the league right where they want them. And it's going to click uh, pretty soon once everybody is fully there, fully healthy. But the fact that with 16 different starting lineups, they're still right in the thick of things in the Western Conference, like that to me is, is more encouraging than anything else yeah people forget this team is 26 and 12 Uh, i mean it's funny because (laughs) you you have a clippers fan base that is used to losing every single game over the last several years and then they get good obviously once blake and dj and cp come here and then you get last year's eight C that ends up giving the Warriors a hard time in the playoffs. And now you get Kawhi and PG and you go from a fan base that's used to losing pretty much every single game every year to now you're expecting wins every game. And I think that the fan base will be a little more optimistic, which is strange to say if you'd lost to, let's say, the Bucks and the Raptors in two games that they won, as opposed to losing against the Bulls and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, by the way, have won two, ga- two games since we played against them. But nonetheless, it's, it's, I think it's the losses and the quality of the losses that is giving people pause. But that being said, you can look at it the other way, which is what fans should look at, that they're beating the Lakers twice. They're beating the Raptors. Exactly. They're beating the Bucks. They're winning the games that, frankly, they need to win in the playoffs. And they're not playing against teams like the Knicks in the playoffs. They're playing against these types of teams in the playoffs. 
I, I think that's a great point is the Clippers a lot of times, more often than not this year, have beaten the better teams in the NBA. They beat the Celtics at home. They beat the Rockets at home. Now they lose to the Rockets twice. And I'm, I'm intrigued at that final matchup against Houston. I, I'm looking forward to it. These two teams, they clearly don't like each other. And hmm. it just seems like they're destined to meet in the postseason somehow. I think it would be one of the chippiest series and one of the most entertaining series that we could possibly see. Obviously, the, the two Laker wins. like Against the best team so far this year, the Clippers have fared pretty well. And when Kawhi and Paul George have been in the lineup, they're 14-4. and four. <laughs> So you've got your 2-1-3 connection. When they've been in there together, the team has rarely lost this year. So to me, that's what fans should be looking at, not necessarily – oh, well, now they're fourth in the West. I get that they're fourth in the West. We're not even midway through the year. They've used 16 different starting lineups, and they're still 14 games over 500. You know what they were when they traded Tobias Harris last year? They were five games over 500, 30 and 25, and then they went on a tear in the second half of the year after the All-Star break. Like, this is not a finished product. This is a marathon and not a sprint. And to me, I feel like fans need to be feeling more optimistic and pessimistic at this point. They're 14 games over 500, despite everything that's happened. Doc Rivers and this coaching staff is one of the best in the league. This roster is the deepest in the NBA. Like this is going to work down the stretch. It's just about figuring out uh, how to how to get all the the correct rotations on the floor. Figuring out where everybody wants it in specific spots on the floor. And defensively, this is a team that I think we all expected defensively to be monstrous. It hasn't panned out, certainly in the last few games, but I think as they get more minutes and more reps together, that's when we'll see that defensive monster really uh, show its teeth and, and down the stretch this year, that is where it's going to matter. Again, it's the postseason that really matters. It's not necessarily the regular season. You want to secure at least a top-four seed, sure, and potentially you'd like a top-two seed because that would at least get you home court up until the Western Conference Finals, which we're hoping would be just in L.A. anyway. <laughs> so that would be ideal, I understand. But this is a team that is it's built for the playoffs. It's built for the postseason. And I've gone back and watched Kawhi Leonard and some of his performances last year. That's when he shines. That's when he really goes into Kawhi Leonard mode. That's when he becomes the best player in the NBA. Right now, he is trying to figure out, how am I going to be best prepared for when we get there? And that's, I think, what the entire team is worrying about. So this is a situation I think they put themselves in at 14 games over 500 that I'm like, hey, this is impressive. This is a great coaching job. This is a great job by these players who have not really become too too familiar with each other quite yet. Like, this is ideal at this point, and I think they're only going to get better. Yeah, what's the mood of the team right now? Because you had that Trez locker room incident on Saturday where he basically was saying this team needs to come out and play harder and that it's not acceptable to the fans to play the way they did. And then they came out on Sunday, struggled in the first quarter, rebounded. But now they've got this time off. You've been able to see the team at practice. What's the mood of the team now having these days off before that game on Friday? Yeah, and I think that that quote was probably taken in the wrong way, uh, to an extent at least, from Trez. I think what he was saying is the team was just upset with how they performed against Memphis, and that was really echoed by Doc Rivers and a lot of the other players. These guys like each other. They like being around each other, and you can tell that they want to go to work. I think that's been the biggest difference. 
Obviously, I wasn't here last year, but from what I've heard from last year to this year, and people want to know, well, what happened to that culture from last year? The culture is still here. The hardworking grittiness is still here. But I think the difference is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and mostly Kawhi, they bring a business-like mentality. That's what this team has, has embodied this year. Like, this is business. When you get to work, you're going to work. And when they get to practice, it's time to go all out to make sure that you are getting things done that need to get done and to be ready for every situation possible. I think that has been the case in practices and shoot-arounds and just even on the, on the plane, whatever you want to say. Everyone is ready for business. Everyone means business. And they want to figure out a way to be as successful as this team possibly can be. So I think the vibe is good. These guys enjoy going to work with one another. And Doc Rivers and his coaching staff in the front office have done a great job at, one, bringing this team together uh, of the right guys, I feel like, that fit with one another, but two, of weathering the personalities in the correct way and, and weathering, obviously, the injuries in the correct way. And I think, Doc, it's, just, it's funny because we've grown to expect this at this point, mm-hmm. but if you threw this on most coaches in the NBA, 16 different starting lineups, through, what is it, 38 games? Yeah. I mean, that's nearly unheard of. But what Doc Rivers does is he finds the the optimal performance out of every player, and it happens every year, and we've just expected it. It is incredible. That is an incredible feat to be 26-12 and 12 with everything that this team's gone through. And, by the way, with both of their superstars missing more than 10 games already this season. Kawhi's missed 10, and... PG has missed 12 already. And Beverly, I think that's the other thing is Patrick Beverly, we've noticed how important he has also become to this entire thing. And I've seen people kind of writing and whatnot about how he is almost like the Rondo of this team, what 2008 was, because he brings the energy, brings the toughness. I could totally see that. Patrick Beverly, when he's not in there, this team has clearly suffered over the last couple of years. They're four and eight since the beginning of last season without Patrick Beverly in the lineup. To me, he's among the most important pieces of the team, and it has less to do with his actual play and more to do with his energy, his aura, and just how he rubs off on the rest of the guys. And so I just I, I feel like we need to be commending Doc just because this is an impressive coaching job, and I don't think he's gotten enough credit for it. Yeah, he's brilliant. We've talked about the last several years now. Last year may have been his best coaching job. And then we said coming into this year that with all of the different players that he's got incorporating new players like Kawhi and PG and trying to figure out rotations and who's going to be on the floor. We talked at nausea during the offseason, who's going to be in the starting lineup and who's going to end up being in the closing lineup, who's going to be on the floor. I mean, that's the toughest job of a head coach. And he's done a really nice job this thus far. Um, and you mentioned the team and last year versus this year. And the identity is still something they're trying to figure out. And frankly, they're 38 games in. They still have plenty of time to figure out who they are. This is not the grit and grind as much as last year because you have two ball players in PG and Kawhi that are top 10 players. And it's not one of those things where you have to exert every ounce of energy every single game like you did last year to compete, especially against a team like the Warriors last year. It's different this year. So they have time and I'm not really concerned about that, especially like you said, only one game that everyone's actually been healthy. And uh, you're spitting out knowledge left and right with all these stats, the Beverly stats and the different lineups. I'm impressed. I'm <laughs> very job. impressed. I mean, it's just, 
this is this is what I was hired to do. Hey, so far so good. And speaking of being hired to do something, <laughs> you actually gave me a little bit of a nice turn to uh, something that happened in the last day or so. You got a chance to meet Ralph Lawler. Uh, was that the first time that you actually saw Ralph and have uh, met him in person? In person, yeah. We've we've corresponded, you know, over the phone type thing, not necessarily talking, but going back and forth. And um, he's been great to me ever since I got the job and just sending some words of encouragement and whatnot. But, yes, first time I met him, and it was a, a surreal moment for sure. I mean, he's a legend. He's an absolute legend. And even being on the East Coast, you still know who Ralph Waller was because you still heard the lob, the jam. Every time Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan detonated on the rim or Chris Paul was trying to find whoever else he could find streaking to the basket, like he was the voice. You, you recognize the voice. And so it was, uh, it was awesome to meet him, and I was glad I could get to the event and, and support him as he was being honored. So it, it was great all around. What's the biggest takeaway from the conversation? Because I'm sure meeting him in person is a lot different than talking on the phone because I'm guessing that the talks on the phone were more of talking about the job and congratulations and here's what to look forward to. And being in person is a little bit different now because you are 36 games in. Or thirty eight. For sure, I, I think. Yeah, I, and don't worry, I'm terrible at math as well. So yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> um, I, I I mess up my math during the game sometimes. Like the Clippers <laughs> might be up eleven. I'm like, and they're up by thirteen. Excuse me, they're up by eleven. Minus and two. So I'm I'm glad we can laugh. Yeah, I'm glad we can all laugh about it because otherwise I'd probably be out of a job. Um, anyway, he was great. Uh, we did, we only got to talk so much because he was obviously a popular man and so he was getting pulled uh, by lots of different people mm-hmm. and so I, I couldn't just dominate the conversation that way but we got to just talking about uh, the job and I asked him about uh, post post job for him and living in Bend and uh, the thing that stood out is that he misses the LA sunshine I would say because it has snowed a decent amount in Oregon since they've moved there so that was that was the big thing I'd say that stood out for me. Yeah, he's uh he's still keeping track. It seems like he really does miss broadcasting the games, and part of him does regret stepping away from the game, but something that he knew he needed to do anyways, whether it was this year or next year, but he knows how good this team is. So it's been interesting following him on Twitter. I'm sure you have as well, been seeing kind of how he reacts to each game, and uh, he seems like he's very much still invested in the Clippers. Oh, he's plugged in. He watches everything, and it's not even just the Clippers. He follows the entire the entire league. He's following very closely, and I think he, I mean, obviously, he was around this team for 40 years, around the NBA for 43 years. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's seeing. So it has been a de- an interesting perspective to follow along as he uh, reacts to pretty much everything. For you, what's it been like adjusting from doing college radio at Syracuse to now being in the NBA? Because I have to imagine – it's quite the difference. Uh, I think it actually does help in terms of actually broadcasting the game because the quality of basketball is better. But for you, in terms yeah. of prep and actually broadcasting a game, what's been that transition? I I think you nailed it, honestly, Brandon, that it's, it's just easier to call the game because it's not as – I'm trying to find the right word for it, but it's it's – it's smoother altogether. Like the, the style of play, um, you don't have as much stoppages of just a ball being stagnant on the perimeter. So you can just kind of flow through it a little bit easier. And 
the actual prep itself, I've, I would say I prepare more because I'm by myself as opposed to having somebody to chat with. So I'm always trying to find extra stats and extra this and extra that of how can I feel in this segment? Or if I talk to somebody and they gave me a good story about something that happened, all right, making sure that I remember or jot it down so I have it for later. If Doc Rivers said something that stands out, making sure I have it down so I can bring it back up. Like those little things. And also, it's just the access is different for me. The fact that I can go to these practices and shoot arounds and the fact that I can talk to people around the organization and pick brains, that wasn't available to me, certainly at this level when I was at Syracuse. And so how do I use that information? How do I take it so that it can be digested in a radio broadcast? How do I take it so I can use it maybe if I'm doing the pregame stuff like any of all that stuff that that's really the main difference of I just have more at my disposal so how can I use all of that information uh, the best way possible and not force it in there and also potentially save it for when I might need it later like those little things that you don't really think about uh, those all play a factor what's your prep like I'm sure people will be interested to uh, hear about that because if you listen to your broadcast, obviously you're spitting knowledge left and right right now, and you're doing the same during your broadcast. And I can imagine that a back-to-back, for example, on Saturday and Sunday, uh, I know personally you, you make a broadcast board and you put down all the players' numbers, their names, how many years they've been in the NBA, all that kind of stuff, and the, and the little nuggets. What are you doing to prep? Uh, where are you making your board? And where are you mostly getting the information? Is it something that you're going to different articles online? Is there a certain site you go to? Uh, yeah, I'd say that, well, there are a couple things. At this point, I'm try- I- I've gotten into somewhat of a rhythm, but it's not necessarily a science every time. So I, I do it on Excel. I have a-, a spreadsheet and a template that's already set up, and then I basically just fill in from there. So uh, I, I start with overall, how's the team doing? I go through there. By the way, this takes, <clears throat> excuse me, this takes a couple days ahead of time. So usually I start them, if I haven't seen the team yet, I will start the board at least like a week or so ahead of time just so I can make sure that I have enough time to fill it in, to get all the stats in there, to get all the anecdotes, to get all the nuggets, as you said. And yeah, it, I draw from a bunch of different resources, game notes, uh, team media guides, Basketball reference is obviously huge, and I've learned even more advanced ways of using it that I hadn't been before, and it's probably just because I'm a little slower to learn on a technical standpoint. I'm not very technically savvy, but that website is its a goldmine of just nuggets and facts and more so than anything, just stats and endless stats. And what I've learned to do with it is you can use, all right, how have the Clippers been when Kawhi Leonard's been on the floor versus when he's not on the floor? What's their record when this group has started already this season? Like you can find all those things very quickly when you're on basketball reference. And my favorite part about that website is that it has every player's nickname that has one and nicknames you've never heard of. <laughs> and I'm a big, I'm a big, just random nickname guy. So I didn't know that Ersan Ilyasova was Turkish Thunder, but I like it. So I'll use that. Or uh, coming into the season, I saw, I haven't used this one yet, but I'm still debating whether or not I do. For Avita Zubac, there are a few on there. Now, I use Zupak a lot. I use Zublock a lot. Mm -hmm. But I haven't used Zoo Alcinder yet. And that one is (laughs) very specific because if he hits a hook shot, 
it makes perfect sense to call him Zoo Alcindor. He's in L.A. Yeah. playing for the other L.A. team. And honestly, part of me likes that because it's kind of like, yeah, we have Zoo Alcindor now. What are you going to do? And I, I don't know. We'll see. But that's what I love about Basketball Reference. Uh, go to NBA.com. They have all the advanced stats, all the miscellaneous stats that you could potentially want. And even finding something as crazy as like, all right, Montrezl Harrell leads the NBA in box outs when he successfully box out, boxes out this year, heading at least into the last game. The Clippers were getting the rebound 91.5% of the time. Wow. So basically every time he boxed out, the Clippers nine times out of ten get the rebound. That's really impressive. And to me, that's something that puts into perspective how important he actually is when he's on the floor. And I think that, you know, that's another one like, okay, fans say, well, why, why is Zoo only playing this minutes and Trez this? Well, you can point to things like that to help explain it. So that's, that's the type of stuff that I've tried to go deeper with. And then the, the stories, the anecdotes, those either come from word of mouth or you can find them online. You know, there are famous ones out there. The Lou Williams uh, almost getting robbed at gunpoint type of thing. Like that one's out there. Those types of stories. Patrick Beverly pulling off to the side of the road when Chandler Parsons called him to tell him he'd be starting because he broke down crying. Like those are stories that I like because it humanizes the players and it shows us, Hey, these are guys that are just normal people at the end of the day as well. They just happen to be really good at this sport and we love them for it. But at the end of the day, they're just like us. They just have these, these moments as well. And so that's cool as well. So it's, it's a, it's a long variety of different um, amalgams of information that come together and eventually you you can put a broadcast together and you only use I would say thirty percent each time and then you keep building from there. Yeah, that's even being generous probably. I mean, with all the yeah. action that's happening, with all the information that you probably have, because I'm sure you do a ton of research as you just said. Yeah, and then you're using it for the next game because luckily you're playing some of these teams four times. So by the time you face them the fourth time, you actually may still have a bit of information that you haven't used, and I'm sure it's different for you to not only do the radio broadcast, but you've been appearing a bunch on the Clippers pregame show and you've hosted it. You've also been there as a quote unquote analyst. Uh, how difficult is it to prepare for the Clippers broadcast on the radio and get ready for that? And then also have the TV responsibilities beforehand. Cause I'm sure a, it probably was a little nerve wracking at first um, handling that duty, but also just, I know trying to get in the zone and, getting the broadcast mentality to do both TV and radio can't be easy. I'd say that the, the biggest challenge with it is actually getting from the radio location to the floor, which is where when I host the pregame and or post and half, I do all the stuff on the floor. Now I do most of these on the road and a lot of the locations for the radio broadcast on the road can be a little bit obscure. So for example, I did Sacramento I did one in uh, San Antonio, and I hosted in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, that was probably the easiest of those three. It's very similar to where we are at Staples Center, which is right on that concourse level at midcourt. It doesn't take very much effort to go from there to the court. It's a straight shot. San Antonio is set up that it's behind the basket, almost in the corner. You're basically, basically amongst the stands and the fans, but you have to – climb through the stairs and then go on a ramp and then you have to go behind that ramp like it takes a little bit oh, so God. for me when i hosted that one you know that was actually the first one i hosted 
and I had to get up, basically run from this, and I'm pushing through crowds of fans. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, no, no, <laughs> excuse me, and like getting through, and so that has been the challenge. And then forget it, Sacramento. It's it's basically it's very similar to Staples Center, but it's just way higher. It's just way higher up, and so it's more distance. And what happens is at halftime, I have to go back down towards courtside, which is where they do the TV broadcast, because I have to get on headset and I, you know, I, I talk over the highlights, I talk over the box score, stuff like that, and I do some some sponsored reads, and so that one I really trampled through. I may have injured some people on my way down. I I crushed people. I mean, I was like, get out of my way. No, don't even. I'm not even saying excuse me. Get out of my way. Yeah, and you're you're I a big guy. I wasn't. You're no, real. I wasn't going to get there in time, <laughs> and so I instead of taking what would have been the correct way, I would I was supposed to go to the right, all the way down to the corner of the court, so I could get across the railing and then go all the way back. Instead of doing that, I decided, you know what, this will be better if I just climb over, and so I literally jumped over the railing and basically crashed into Brian Seaman. Nice, and I apologize if he had a concussion afterwards. But yeah, it was. It, that way, I would say this is the, is the toughest part is because the timing also like it's not like I have hours to do all this. The, the everything kind of just comes quickly. I will say being at Syracuse and having a, to do many roles at once prepared me. Like this, it really didn't feel all that difficult to me to hold different roles, wear different hats for a broadcast. I had done it before at Syracuse and even probably done more roles than just that where I was, okay, getting to the arena. I had to do the pregame show for the radio. Then I had to record something for the TV station. Then I had to do a stand-up. Then I had to go do the game on radio after I had to go get sound for the TV, edit it all together, put the stand Like it was everything all at once. This to me still uh, feels somewhat light compared to that, which is lucky. So I feel like I should ask you this question. What's been the best arena and atmosphere thus far for you? I would say Toronto. Toronto, and part of that is because it was Kawhi's return. Mm-hmm. But I've heard that their atmosphere, regardless of Kawhi being there or not, is just fantastic. And I got the full effect of it. It was packed. They were loud. They're really into it. And uh, they've been really into it for at least the last uh, probably, I, it sounds like from the beginning, from everything I've gathered, this is—it's just a city that is very passionate about its teams, and they're passionate about the Raptors. Certainly, right now, with the success that they obviously had last year, they love the Raptors, and the success they've continued, by the way, into this year—improbable success, might I add. The fact that without Kawhi Leonard and with the injuries they've had, and Nick Nurse has battled through it, and they're a top four seed right now in the Eastern Conference is incredible, honestly, and. I think that the fans deserve it because they really are into it. They're really, they are passionate about it. It was cool. Yeah, it's unbelievable what Nurse has done this year. I mean, you lose Lowry, you lose now Siakam, you lose Gasol, you're losing Van Fleet, you're losing guys left and right, and he still is winning basketball games, which is incredible. But I have a very important question for you, Noah. What ended up being bigger, Kawhi's return or your 23rd birthday? <laughs> uh, it was Kawhi's. Yeah, I'm not going to even try to make a joke about it because I'm not a big birthday guy to begin with, and I'm not huge on getting, like, extra attention when it's not necessary. I was very thankful that they were all very nice about my birthday. The entire crew and Mike Fratello bought me 
a cake, which I I don't know about you, Brandon. I hate being sung to in yeah. front of large crowds of people. And he decided to sing to me in the media room. Nice. And there's a video of me. It, my my face is just completely red. <laughs> it is not a good look for me. And so I would say Kawhi's return was better. Plus, the Clippers actually pretty much dominated that game. They looked really good that night. They On both ends of the floor, really defensively, they completely stifled what was a good Toronto team. And Kawhi did his thing. Paul did his thing. They looked good that night. So it was a good night overall. What kind of cake was it? It was red velvet. I oh, believe, okay. If I remember correctly. Hey, yeah, at least, was, at least Fratello's getting good cakes good here. Oh, no, no. Fratello's got great taste. He is he is uh, one of the best in, in every facet of life. That's great. I mean, it must be fun. I mean, you're getting a chance now to see and be with people that you grew up listening to and watching. It must be surreal for you and just an incredible experience overall. I know that obviously you got a chance to go with your dad here and there, and you've been able to see some of these people, whether it was in Brooklyn or somewhere else, but this has probably been a pretty incredible year for you thus far. Is that, is that saying the uh, correct thing? It's been really really crappy honestly no. <laughs> no it's been great man yeah are you kidding this has been everything i could have hoped for and then some and and also the fact that the team is winning really helps it, it really does because i think uh, i i feel like i've i've done everything to try to connect with this fan base and connect with the city and having the clippers win only helps my case and i'm very thankful for that and i'm thankful for the fans by the way because They've been great. They welcome me in with open arms. And uh, this is a fan base that I, I, they deserve this season. I can tell even from just my time around it. And coming from growing up around the Nets, and I've talked about this, it's a similar path of, okay, the Knicks are always going to be in the spotlight, as are the Lakers. But now both these teams have a chance to almost take a, a part of the city and, and take some of that spotlight for themselves. And I think – that's what has allowed me to, to understand this fan base pretty well of, okay, like I get it. I was in their shoes just on the other coast, just on the other side of the country. I understand their feelings. I understand why everyone's so excited. I understand why uh, each game is being looked at so closely. And at the same time, I, I believe that this group, this fan base, this organization deserves a championship when it's all said and done because of how they've handled throughout the years everything. And I've met a lot of Clippers fans that have been fans since the 80s. They said, I'm a Clipper lifer, and I said, good for you. I, I love to hear that because the Clipper lifers deserve this more than anybody. And even the ones that were through the Lob City, they, they deserve it. This is their time. And you deserve this opportunity. You've done a tremendous job. You had some big shoes to fill with Brian, and so far you've been – Incredible. I mean, from the expectations that were on your shoulders, being the son of Iron Eagle to taking on this job and thriving, you've done a really good job. So kudos to you from uh, from this Hoopball Clippers podcast and from all the Clipper Nation. Uh, very impressed so far with what you've done, and uh, thank you for what you've done. Well, I appreciate it. It's very nice of you to say, and, and truly, you guys all make it very easy. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. I, I really am blessed to just be here and to be around this team, be around Doc Rivers and Lawrence Frank. And uh, I'm not taking any of it for granted. I can tell you that much. And 
Let's go win a championship. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. And you've done a great job corresponding with fans on Twitter, which is something that not many broadcasters do. So go ahead. Where can people find you, whether it's Twitter or Instagram? uh, Go ahead and promote yourself. Yeah, at NoEagle15 on both. I am trying to step up my social media game in a variety of ways. We will see how that transpires here in 2020. But, yeah, I I love to correspond with the fans on, on Twitter, especially if you reach out to me more often than not, as long as I see it in time and everything, I will at very minimum like the tweet, if not respond. And uh, we still have a couple more throughout the season ticket giveaways on my Twitter as well. If you're looking to get to a game, I try to do it every, every however many bunches of games through. But we've already had two and we've had actually three ticket giveaways this year. So we'll have a couple more throughout the season. That should be fun. Noah, appreciate the time. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that we can make it happen again, and we'll do it down the line. Appreciate you, Brennan. Well, that was Noah Eagle, the radio voice of Los Angeles Clippers. You can find him on Twitter, like he said, at NoahEagle15. You can listen to him all the time, AM 570s, where you can hear him and Adam Oslin in the pregame, and then Noah Eagle takes over. Those dulcet tones have done a tremendous job thus far. He had some big shoes, like I said, to fill in for Brian Seaman. And Brian's done a great job, obviously, on TV. And Noah, despite the age, has just been absolutely incredible on radio. And you know that he learned from his pops and had some pretty big shoes to fill. And he's done a nice job. He's done a really nice job. Um, Proud of that guy because I know there were some Twitter mentions left and right being said that he doesn't deserve this opportunity. People that were jealous from the Lakers side of things. But, man, he really has worked his tail off, and he absolutely deserves this opportunity, and he has flourished. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. We'll be back on Sunday after that game against the Nuggets. Chris Murch will join us, and we will recap the game against Golden State on Friday and then Denver on Sunday. Hopefully we have two wins to talk about, and no excuses. Please just go out and win two games. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'm Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus is the Twitter handle, at HoopBallClips is the Hoopball Clippers Twitter account. Go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at BD Marcus and let me know what you thought of the podcast. And also, if you really have an extra second or two, go ahead, go to those iTunes stores, whatever you want to call it. Give the five-star rating. The review really does help as well. And uh, anything you can do help this podcast grow. Be very much appreciated. So until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long and have a great rest of your day, everybody. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.